to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, Taylor, it is uh, April 25th, and... uh, Johnny Depp still <laughs> on trial with his uh, ex, and uh, you know we we haven't talked about that. Have you watched any of it at all? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that kind of struck me about it 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 has really been, uh, I mean, it's pretty out there. I mean, like all the stuff. It, 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 it's he's been pretty open about drug use and some of the stuff that we all know goes on but nobody really says unless you read it in a magazine or or you know stuff a, a tabloid that you're just not really sure about but um i think the thing that's really sad is that the camera has shown them both throughout the trial as they're talking you're talking about take away the fact that he's johnny depp the actor who's in Caribbean, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, just put him Johnny Depp, a human being, husband, who um, really was searching for something in the drugs, in the fame, and all that stuff, or Amber Heard searching for love and connection. And it's just really sad when you see what's been put on display for the past few weeks, everybody talks about it, and I think everybody just feels sad. I mean, some of the stuff is so disgusting and so bad that they did to each other. And it, at first, you just you start to go, "Wow, that's awful." And and yet, when you step back and realize it's just a we're a very broken world, and we're all broken to some extent. Johnny Depp's need Jesus. Amber Heard needs Jesus. It's pretty obvious that neither one of them have a faith in Jesus. And I just wondered, I mean, I kind of was hit with this. Am I praying for Johnny Depp? Am I praying for her? I mean, this kind of thing's put on display for people all over the world, and it's easy to talk about it and really not pray. And I think about some of the people in Hollywood whose lives have been changed because God came into their life, you know, um, you know, Mark Wahlberg's brother, I think it's Mark Wahlberg's brother. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Alec Baldwin's brother. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, of, I was thinking of Steve Baldwin. Mm-hmm. He's a real deal believer, you know? And I mean, if you look at Alec Baldwin and you look at him, it, it's like a, it's like a night and day, two different stories of what happens with your life because only Jesus has the answers, right? I mean, he's the, He's the answer to everything Johnny Depp's looking for. He's the answer to everything Amber Heard's looking for. And we really don't think about that a lot when we're, because we're, we're so news hungry 
and news driven that we just kind of, uh, it's a voyeurism where we just kind of watch it, but really we're here to be light. We're here to be people that pray and, and seek, and we should hope, uh, that God would change their hearts. Uh, because I guarantee you there's, there's going to be a groping going on for a while when this is over right now, they're going through the midst of it for whatever reason he's trying to, you know, preserve something. And she's trying to say it's, you know, it's, it's one way he's saying it's another. And I was just thinking about that. Um, and wondering how often we're praying for these people like that, because the church ought to be leading the way and standing up. But like so often, like we talked about, and uh, we're actually going to look at this week. I mean, where's the men, you know, where, where, where are the guys at? Where where are the guys when it comes to leading the way, uh, and pornography and human trafficking and standing against these things and, and leading the, the church to pray, you know, for guys like, uh, even Johnny Depp, because I think we tend to write off Hollywood as, uh, we write them off because we just think, well, they're unsavable, but they're not. And so I just wondered if you'd watched it at all and, you know, kind of what you thought as you watched what you watch. It was pretty, pretty sad to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a defamation um, lawsuit. And I haven't seen like the whole thing. I haven't been following it like that, but I've seen a lot of clips and, uh, you know, uh, pretty nasty stuff. Um you know, I, I'm sure that there's things both, I've seen things that go both ways, but there was one, uh, you know, basically Amber Heard was trying to destroy Johnny Depp's career out of spitefulness. And, you know, that doesn't excuse him drinking and doing things like that. But um, seeing that, I mean, that was pretty eye opening and uh, that, you know, she she did some really uh, crazy, <laughs> you know, like, no, wow. like, I, I know, like, and, yeah, and yeah. then, you know, Johnny Depp, obviously dealing with his own issues and things like that and and just how quickly getting entangled and and married to uh somebody who isn't a believer when you're not a believer yourself and um how that can be a a big a big issue and that can cause a lot of harm uh on both both ways but yeah it's just uh sad to see that obviously um but yeah i mean he lost a bunch of different roles because of uh her claiming and i think he's probably going to lose a lot of roles in the future because it's going to be hard to take some of these things away even what happened i think today they they had a tape of him putting a cigarette out on her and stuff i mean just i didn't see that oh i think that just came out today Mm. yeah so again some of these things are are just um they're just sad and it's and it's just i mean think about it like if you I mean, every every mistake you've ever made, not not that his mistakes aren't aren't uh, bad and significant and need to be talked about. But I'm just saying you're putting everything out in the world. I don't think I mean, for everybody to see that's going to be out there on every video feed and everything. And it's uh, it's going to be hard for him, I think, to recover for this. And so I think as believers, it'd uh, be great for us just to pray for him, to pray for him, pray for Amber Heard pray for God to uh, use this as an opportunity because a lot of times when we're broken, when we come to the point of we realize we're broken people, we, we are probably more open there than any other time. So I just uh, was led to pray today and thought it would be good for us to uh, 
just pray for him, pray for her, and as well as other people um, that that might be going through very, very difficult times that you know of. Uh, let it just be a spark. You know, the National Day of Prayer is coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, and, boy, if there's ever a time to pray, it's now for our country and uh, pray for um, for what's what's happening. But basically we have a clash of two cultures going on in our country. We have a culture of conservatives that want to keep biblically-based values that our country was founded on, and you have progressive people that want to progress to what? I don't know what they want to progress to, but they don't want to conserve they want to move on. And so we just need to uh, pray that God would continue to raise up his church and not false teachers. Man, this morning I was, you know, I was working out uh, early. And, you know, I don't usually um, go to the gym at 5 o'clock, but I was there this morning early. And I just, you know, was flipping through the news and I flipped on and there was a, a info half-hour thing of a guy named Peter Popoff. I don't know if you ever heard of this guy. He's a televangelist, and he's been debunked. They, I mean, they've investigated him. They've exposed him back in the 80s uh, for using a concealed earpiece to receive radio messages from his wife, mm-hmm. who would give him the names, addresses, and the ailments of audience members like mm-hmm. he was some prophet. Uh, he falsely claimed that God gave him this information and it made him look credible because you're sitting there in the audience, you know, and his wife's feeding him the information. Um, and he actually, I think went bankrupt sometime in in the nineties and then came back and he was promoting this miracle spring water. Mm. And his whole message this morning was go for the gold. And literally he paraded out, had his wife read written testimonies, people from Pensacola people from Pittsburgh, people all over, people from Canada who were writing in um, talked about how they put that water on their hands and then prayed. And one lady got $17,000. One lady got twenty-three a $23,000 car and then $10,000 from a lady she was taking care of. And it was just story after story meant to sweep you up into the belief and listen he was talking about god doing it all and mentioning verses how you know uh you know god says in his word that when we come together in agreement he's there and he wants to take away your debt he wants to take away your needs he wants to erase them and just make them like they never that and uh he throws out john 10 10 i've come that you might have life and have it abundantly saying it as if that means a big bank account and and lots of cars and a nice home. Uh, in fact, they even talked at one story. I, I, I'm not making this up. I, re, I was so blown away. There was a homeless person in Las Vegas who was walking from shelter to shelter, and they just listened to him and cried out to God. And the next day, they got a house with a pool and a spa to live in for free. Because of Peter Popoff. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. So um, don't fall for these charlatans. That's what they are. They're false teachers. And uh, Scripture's pretty clear to call, call them to account, hold them accountable. If they're not preaching you Jesus and Jesus alone, uh, 
they're, they're false teachers. Ben said uh, he wanted to know if you could get him some of that water. Uh, <laughs> yeah, got a text yeah, yeah, in from a listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the break. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. That is Need to Breathe with Brother. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors, Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we are back into Acts uh, this week. I'll be looking at Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through uh, 10. And today, what are we focusing on today, Doug? Well, today we are in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul goes out on his second missionary journey. This time, instead of Barnabas, he has Silas, and he picks up Timothy. And uh, really, that's the focus of today is as he goes through um, back into um, Antioch of Pisidia, or he goes through uh, um, Lystra and Derby, he ends up uh, picking up Timothy, who becomes ultimately one of is his replacement. It's, it's uh, the guy that he builds into. In fact, uh, in ministry, um, about... I think it was about 14 years ago, uh, Joe White used the phrase. The first time I ever heard the phrase really was, uh, Doug, you know, who's your Timothy? You know, find you a Timothy and build into him. He, he, and he said, you know, we all need a Barnabas in our life for encouragement. We need a Paul for guidance, and we need a Timothy for the future. And that's really uh, something that we need to think about. And Paul, in this text, uh, as he's going back through Lystra, he uh, ends up picking up Timothy, and it's a it's a it's a neat story. Uh, it's real. It's history, and um, Luke is recording it for us. And by the way, Luke ends up joining him in the text today too, because we're looking at Acts sixteen one through ten. And just as a review of their first missionary journey, remember when they left Antioch, Paul and Barnabas went. And they went through Cyprus, Antioch of Pisidia, um, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. Iconium, Lystra, Derby are like a little triangle there, all within about 60 miles of each other. And so those communities back then, if you lived in Iconium, 
you would know maybe the people over in Lister and Derby and, and vice versa because they just all were families, related, tight-knit communities in those cities. And so Paul goes on that first trip with Barnabas. They come back. They have the big uh, disagreement in Antioch with the Judaizers who had come up from Jerusalem. And the Jerusalem Council sent Judas and Silas up there as witnesses. They were leaders within the Jerusalem church, and they went to affirm what Paul and Barnabas had been arguing from the beginning, that it was Jesus plus nothing. Because when you add anything to the gospel, um, it, it, it really... Uh, it destroys not only the unity of the church, but it destroys the purity of the gospel itself because it's no longer a gospel of grace if you add anything to it that requires anything on your part. And so they go up there, and then Paul, after they take care of that issue, says to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and make sure all these people are doing good, make sure the churches we started are doing good. And so Barnabas goes, great, well, I think we should take John Mark and give him another chance. And Paul says, no. And we looked at that last time as uh, last week, as, as far as like, well, I'm sorry, it was two weeks ago. Cause we looked at Easter last week, but uh, two weeks ago, we looked at that where we saw in Barnabas, sometimes relational people tend to minimize the truth for the sake of relationship. And um, Barnabas, uh, I'm not saying he did that specifically with, john mark but they had this big philosophical disagreement it wasn't moral it wasn't uh over a moral issue or a biblical issue they just had a different strategy uh barnabas the encourager wanted to take john mark and paul the dogmatic leader says no we can't we can't take a chance on him failing us again and leaving and so he i i believe he had timothy in the back of his mind he had already encountered timothy and his parents and um, we can tell from Paul's other letters he wrote after the fact, Timothy was a very special child in his life. I mean, a spiritual child. And so uh, they had this huge disagreement, and Barnabas ends up taking, um, um, uh, he ends up taking um, um, uh, John Mark going to Cyprus, his home, and then Paul sets out from Antioch uh, going back to Lystra and Derby, and that's where he picks up Timothy. But, you know, before we get into it, you know, I, I shared at the um, at the SWAT meetings that uh, in the last few years I've had an opportunity. I, I grew up shooting guns and hunting and liking that stuff, and I, I had a, a chance to uh, meet uh, probably, I think, one of the best reactive shooting guys in the world. Um, his name's Bill Rogers. He's got a book called Be Fast, Be Accurate, Be the Best, and it is probably one of the best books on reactive shooting I've ever read. Uh, and being a former SWAT guy in the FBI and, and liking training and range time, I, I read that book and I've reread it and I've reread it because as far as shooting goes, I want to be like Bill Rogers when it comes to shooting. And, um, you know, I share that with the SWAT guys. When we look at the book of Acts, when Luke is writing Theophilus and telling him what's happened, um, Acts is not a book of theological imperatives. In other words, it's not like in Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, and those books are Paul's letters to Timothy or Titus. He he gives them imperatives. Go do this. Preach the word, Timothy. I mean, he, he gives imperatives. This is how you should live. 
But in Acts, what happens is Luke is recording for um, Theophilus the way the church expanded. And, and so what we have to do is we look at these historical moments of the church, we can principalize some things that we see in these servants of God, and uh, we can learn from them and then let those principles be things that we try to emulate. Just like I read in Bill's book, things that he does and things that he practices, well, we can pick up on those things as well in the scriptures from guys like uh, Paul and Barnabas and others, uh, Philip. And so as we think about what Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, he tells him at the end of his life, and he probably shared it over and over in his whole lifetime, he says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. And, and the whole focus of what Paul's telling Timothy is, Timothy, listen, I'm not going to be here forever. And the mantle's going to fall to you. And you've got to find men that the mantle can fall to and continue on until Christ returns. And as you look at our culture today, especially within the church, and you and I have talked a lot about this, um, where, where are the men discipling men? Where are the men building into men? And, and it's not just building in biblical information. It's building in life information. It's building in manly information. You know, when Paul says to the Corinthians, act like men, there's, there's a reason that God allowed that to be put in the Bible. And I think uh, there's a way that men ought to act. And we're different. Contrary to our culture, contrary to what uh, they're trying to push down our kids today, men respond differently than women we're built differently we have different dna and god not just from a physical dna but even spiritual dna god made us different now we're we're the same in the sense of the value of christ but we're different in the roles that we play in the world god has put us in and so as we look at this text today we're going to see how Paul, as God's kingdom priest, identifies and invests in a faithful future leader in Timothy. And for us, as God's kingdom priest, he's calling you and I to do that. And so one of the questions we need to keep in our mind all week is, who are we investing in? Who are we investing in? Are we investing in anybody? Uh, if we're not investing spiritually in someone, then Who's going to share with people 80, 100 years from now if God waits to come back? So that's the first thing we see in this text. It's only a, a ten, you know, 10 verse uh, section. But then the second principle we see, uh, Paul, uh, is in Paul is that he listens and obeys the leading of, of God. I mean, he shamas. That's what it means to shema, to listen and obey. I mean, it really, we could just say he shamat is leading because the word shema embraces not only auditorily hearing it, but doing what is required in response. And so those are the two principles for the week. It's not real heavy, not real complicated, pretty simple. And uh, today we're just going to jump in. We'll read the text 
And primarily, we're going to look at this first principle of identifying and investing in future leaders, and uh, primarily today what it means to identify what characteristics are we looking for in faithful leaders of the future, people that we look to step up and, and be leaders 10, 15 years from now, or even just maybe as short as five years from now. So uh, I'm going to have you read uh, verses 1 through 10, and then when we come back from the break, we'll, we'll get into starting to identify uh, what characteristics we look for. All right. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany, accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. And they went through the region of uh, Phygia? Phrygia? Phrygia. 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 Yeah, okay. My bad. And Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Troas? Troas, yeah. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, and concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Well, that's pretty good timing, man. <laughs> uh, may God bless the reading of his word. We're going to look at what happens when God closes uh, the door when you start trying to go somewhere. And he says, nope, not there. You go another place. Nope, not there. Another place. Nope, not there. And uh, he says, okay, now you got it. So stick with us. We'll be back with more after the break. Before we go, we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, and a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was Chainbreaker by Zach Williams. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10 this week. Um, just read the passage actually right before the break, and now we're going to be getting into it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, so we were talking about Troas. It was literally the the chief city up in the northwest part of Asia Minor. And Asia Minor had a lot of the cities that we know from Revelation and everything. Um, 
But Paul sailed there, and here's what's going on. So Paul wanted to go to all those cities in Asia Minor, and God said, no, can't go west. And he goes, okay, then we're going to go to Bithynia, Mysia and Bithynia. Nope, can't go there. So Paul ends up going to uh, Troas, which was um, a Roman province, and um, it was – it was really not just that city itself. It was the whole area right around where that port was 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 uh, known as the Troas area, and um, it wasn't that far from uh, Troy. You know the mm-hmm. the big city mm-hmm. of Troy. You know the Trojan horse and all that stuff. So um, anyway, um, it ends up, it ends up ultimately uh, going away. It was a city of Mysia. It was called Mysia, and uh, Paul ends up going um, from there. Um, but um, what we see him do as he goes through this area is he gets there and he picks up Luke. We know that because down in verse ten, uh, it says that uh, we. You notice that change. It's always been they. As Luke is writing this gospel, I mean this uh, this uh, letter to Theophilus, he uses the term they, talking about Paul and Barnabas, and as he's traveling. But now, when verse ten comes, it says, "And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go." Now, people don't know where he picked up Luke exactly. Uh, Paul might have been struggling with some kind of chronic illness or something, and. Luke was just there in the city, but they were there um, in Troas, and God gave them a vision. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what they were going to do, and God gives them a vision of Macedonia. Now, the thing that's interesting about Macedonia is, you know who founded that city? Who was, was Philip of Macedon, and you know who that was? Come on, history guy. Who was Philip of Macedon? Well, it wasn't a city. It was a country. Well, well, it was a country. Yeah. That's true. Alexander the Great's yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. As Alexander the Great's dad. Yeah. And so Alexander, at one time, you know, that that they ruled the world. Mm-hmm. And then it went away. And, uh, and now Rome's ruling, and Rome's going to go away. But the influence of the Christian church was in Rome, through Constantinople and, and, you know, Constantine, it wasn't in Greece. It wasn't really there other than the little bits. It wasn't near as prevalent. But this is the journey westward of the gospel. I mean, what we're seeing is God moving Paul. You and I are believers and have the gospel over here because the gospel went from being a Middle Eastern, quote, cult to a worldwide thing. And and so what Paul ends up doing is, is he's going uh, through Lystra and Derby. We're not really sure whether Timothy's from Lystra or Derby. Most people think he was from Lystra, but, but there's just no conclusive evidence there. Um, but, but he picks up Timothy, who is going to become his protege, which is going to become... Uh, the leader of the church of Ephesus, which was another powerful church. But uh, as we continue pushing westward with Paul into Europe, we're going to see go Paul go, and he's going to go into Athens. He's going to go into Corinth. 
He's going to go into Thessalonica. Uh, all these really flow out of what's happening right now. And so before all this starts, he picks up Timothy. And how did he identify Timothy? What do you look for in in a young future leader? Well, the first thing we see is in verse 1, God's sovereign hand. His sovereign hand. You know, Paul referred to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 as my true child of the faith. He really had a special uh, spiritual father-son bond with Timothy. And on the first journey, he had led Timothy's mother, Eunice, and grandmother, Lois, to the Lord. Probably Timothy, too. Um, But Timothy's mother, Eunice, was a believer, but she was married to a Greek. Now, this was a huge no-no for Jewish people. The Jewish people were prohibited by God from marrying outside the faith, marrying pagans. They weren't supposed to do that. In fact, in the Old Testament, when they were doing that and they were told to stop, one didn't and got a I got a, a spear through the back. You remember that story? Yeah, I have to look that up in the break to find out the exact reference. But they were supposed to stop intermarrying because they they weren't they didn't they were God's chosen people to be the messengers to the world. And yet she somehow was able to convince her mother Lois that this guy and and you know you you can just hear the conversation going on with uh, her husband to be before he's her husband. You know, I've been thinking about this Judaism, you know, uh Eunice's mom, Lois, Miss <laughs> Lois. I've been thinking about this, and you know, I, I, I actually, you know, because he was Greek, and Greek they philosophize about everything, and so I, uh, I could probably do this. You know, I'm really interested in learning more. Can I marry your daughter? You know, I'll, I'll be a good husband. I'll provide for her. Can I marry your daughter? And and for some reason, we don't know anything about Lois's husband. He's not mentioned, but they get married. And that's not a good thing because what should every Jewish boy have done up to this point? Because she didn't know the gospel. She hadn't heard uh, about Jesus as far as, like, believed in him. You know, she was a Jewish woman who lived over in Lystra or Derby, And every Jewish boy, if he wasn't circumcised, was outside of the covenant. And her, her husband wouldn't let him get circumcised. He said, you can teach them the Jewish scriptures, and that's what they did. We know that from Timothy, where Paul referenced that Lois and Eunice had taught him since he was young the scriptures. So we see God's hand on Timothy to teach him the scriptures. And even in his name, you know, names were a lot more important back then than they are now. His his name is Greek, Timo Theos. Timo means to honor, Theos means God. So even though it's a Greek name, it kind of has a Jewish flair to it. And so you just see God's hand on him as as his mom and his grandmother raised him in the faith, taught him the scriptures. So for you moms out there, and you dads, and or not moms and dads, but, but moms specifically and grandmothers who may have an unbelieving spouse or an unbelieving male that's supposed to be the father figure to uh, your child, you be faithful to teach them. You be faithful and and teach them the scriptures. That's what Lois did. That's what Eunice did. And it was a joint effort, it apparently, it seems like they both did it. 
And at some point, Eunice probably came back and said, Mom, you were right. I probably should. I, I, I just can't for any life of me imagine Eunice not trying to talk her out of marrying this Greek guy because it was a violation of God's word. Do you think that happens today? You think people violate God's word today to do things they shouldn't do? Yeah, that happens all the time. Oh, well, we're just trying it out. You know, what we're living together and sleeping together just to make sure we're compatible. That that that's not a biblical concept of how it works. When you sleep with a woman in the Bible, you're married to her. That's the way it works. And oh, you know, he's a good guy. He just you know, he was raised in the church. He just doesn't follow it anymore. Or he's just not as serious about it as I am. I, and, and there's this idea that we can make them better. God gives us his design and the way his, his standards for a reason. But Timothy, even though his mom married a pagan, had God's hand on him, and you see that. And I think as we look at uh, people that we're trying to invest in, you want to see God's hand on their life. You want to see, and you never know how one little conversation can make a change. When I was uh, going through the FBI Academy, I was invited to go to a men's retreat. And I went to this retreat, and Bob Vernon, who was the assistant chief of police of Los Angeles, he was the number three guy under Daryl Gates, um, was speaking. And it was fascinating because I was getting, I was going through the academy. I'd never been in law enforcement. And so I listened to him share about how law enforcement people are ministers of justice. And he shared from a biblical perspective of, of why you might have to take a life in defense of somebody else's life or to prevent somebody from harming. But I never heard anybody do that before. And it was, it was really good, but he was a man of God. He was a man of character and he, it was a great retreat, but at the end of the retreat, uh, I went up to him and introduced myself, told him I was at the FBI Academy, and he said, you got a few minutes, and so we just stopped and talked, and he told me before the retreat was over, and I told him about my love for God and how God had been leading me and everything, and I'd wanted to go to seminary, and he said, listen, I see God's hand on you. And he said, he's going to do something with you, and I want you to call me and let me know when he does. And so fast forward four years, I get through the academy. I come to Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, and as I come to Jacksonville, I, uh, I, I, I come down here, and um, I love the FBI. I'm on the SWAT team. I like doing all the things we're doing. And uh, – I end up going to Russia on a mission trip with uh, my church and my pastor. And when I come back, I resign from the FBI. And after I resign, I, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what God's going to do, but I know he wants me to go back to Russia. And so I go on board with this ministry called East West Ministries. And the plan is for me to go do creative evangelism over in Russia with military and law enforcement but I'm not sure how that's going to look or what I'm going to do. And I'm driving down the road on Beach Boulevard. And as I'm driving down the road, I hear a radio program called Focus on the Family. And Jim Dobson is interviewing this guy named Bob Vernon that I heard at that retreat. 
And when we come back from the break, I'll share, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story. All right, so make sure you stay tuned. You're listening to SWAT Radio. We'll be back with more after the break. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the That is Mercy Me with Even If. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. Doug was in the middle of sharing a story about um, him coming into ministry and how God was working in his life, so we're going to pick up there. Yeah, so just real quick reminder, I was at a retreat, met Bob Vernon. He said, hey, God's going to do something in your life. I I see his hand all over you. Uh, Call me and let me know when he does. So... I'm driving down the road, uh, Jacksonville, made the decision to get out of the FBI and go full-time into ministry, turned in my resignation letter, trying to figure out what that's going to look like, listening to the radio on Beach Boulevard here, Focus on the Family, interviewing Bob Vernon. And he's talking about doing law enforcement conferences all over the world as a platform for sharing the gospel and teaching biblically-based ethics in other countries but using that as a platform. And I'm hearing that. I'm going, wow, that'd be a great thing to do. And man, maybe God would let let me learn from him somehow or do something like that. So at the end of the program, Dobson asked him how he can pray for him. He said, well, the one country I haven't been able to get into is Russia, mm. which is where I'm going. And so I was able to track down his number and called him and said, Bob, this Doug McCary I met you at the FBI Academy. I was I was at the FBI Academy at a retreat, and I said, I don't know if you remember. He goes, yeah, I remember. He goes, what did God do? It was like the conversation just happened, and we talked about it and ended up doing two law enforcement conferences together over in Russia at the equivalent of the FBI over there mm-hmm. and saw generals come to Christ. And I learned from him how to creatively share doing those kind of things. It was fascinating 
and a really good opportunity. But you never know how God is going to um, use a conversation you might have as you identify what future leader you may see and then speak to him just like he did. So identifying God's sovereign hand on somebody, I think, is really important. Second thing we see in the text is, verse 2, a good reputation. I know we got a call, but we'll just get this in, and then we'll come back tomorrow and finish this up. Verse 2 says, Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, verse 2, he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. This guy not only know it, he lived it out. You know, it wasn't just a head thing for him. So many of us in this country, it's a head knowledge thing. He lived it. And uh, Paul ended up writing Timothy later when he said, when you're looking for leaders for the church, you want a man above reproach. And I want to clarify, that does not mean there's no perfect humans. It just means that you have lived a life above reproach and that you are putting your your standards are high. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you've got high standards. You don't have low standards. You have God's standards. You want to be a, a husband who loves your wife. You want to be a husband who um, lo- or a father who loves his kids and, and teaches them and is involved. Uh, you don't want to be a man quick-tempered. You know, who loses his temper and ends up being a bad reputation. So all these things are things that you look for. Good reputation, Timothy had him. So God's sovereign hand, good reputation, and we'll come back tomorrow and finish that up. Uh, but that's that's really the beginning of what characteristics we look for. And hopefully, if you're listening today, start thinking and praying, asking God, God, who can be a Timothy? Who, who's my Timothy? Bring a Timothy or... Or if you're a a woman, you know, who's going to be my Tatiana or whatever, Mm -hmm. call her whatever you want, but a young woman, a Tabitha, you could say a Tabitha. So a Timothy or a Tabitha, how about that? Uh, Nice. So, yeah. All right. So make sure you turn in tomorrow as we finish this all up. But right now we have on the line Ben. Ben, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I've been enjoying the program. Awesome. I, can you turn your uh, speaker down? I think we're getting some feedback on you. But, Just a little bit, yeah. Um, what's on your uh, mind yeah, today? Yeah, they turned it, I turned it down. Um, yeah, I had a question for you guys. Okay, yeah, what's your question? Yeah, I've been studying at Jacksonville State um, Community College, and my professor kept saying and teaching about how the Bible is, uh, is anti-communism. And I've been reading it and trying to find some of like those passages. And if you guys studying and or going to Russia and do a ministry there, could you give me some specifics where the Bible talks negatively about like the system of com- communism? Well, let, let like Karl Marx, maybe. Well, do, are are you ta- well? Let's let's talk about it. First of all, you got Marxism, right? And and then you got socialism, and they they sometimes they intermingle, right? But are you talking specifically about communism? Because uh, communism is a type of socialism. Um, and and if you know when you think about socialism, some people would look at Jesus and say he was socialist in some ways, right? I mean, like his care yeah. for the poor and all that, but. The Bible doesn't really endorse 
that at all. I mean, there's there's really a difference between the theory. I mean, when I went to Russia, Ben, uh, th- they believed that the state was supreme. In other words, the government yeah. controls everything, and the the and the state was the supreme being. It's it surpassed even God. In other words, the Orthodox Church came underneath the government as far as what the government said, and. So uh, I I don't know I mean like uh, when you when you read a, a text like in Acts chapter two you remember it said all the believers came together and they sold everything because they wanted to take care I mean that that would seem like a good socialist verse I mean initially when you look at it but that that was not the goal was not to get rid of poverty Jesus said you're always going to have the poor right you remember that. And so the, yeah, there's, you, you kind of need the poor. Well, it, it's just that you're always going to have the poor. I mean, think about it. Was it, it wouldn't be a very socially good thing uh, to take money that you could give, go feed the poor and, and use it, the perfume to wash Jesus feet. And that's what he was talking about. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, when you think about that, that, that wouldn't do, but, but Marxism, Oh, is uh, you know Karl Marx focuses on different classes of people, and it it really divides people into a class system. That's what you see with critical race theory and some other things. That this class struggle in Christianity, there's only two classes of people. There's believers and unfaith. believers and unbelievers. That's it. That's it. And um, and 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 I think what we've seen unfold over the last few years is marxism has kind of crept in and it's kind of trojan horse into a lot of uh, things that have happened throughout history with uh, racism that has been real there's been some real racism no question about it but the trojan horse that's come in is the crt stuff is really promoting classes and and what's the book uh, you know by Abraham X Kendi the one or is it how to, is that how to be an anti racist did he write that was that Kendi or was that another one um, I think it was Kendi yeah it was either him uh, or uh, sure. what's her name uh, Robin D'Angelo. the goal of Marxism is pretty much to have a government run everything control everything and they decide what needs need to be met and how you how you should do it um and how yeah, and how much you should have in a country where that's not happening well marxism has never worked in real life there's not really any place listen i traveled to russia i probably made 50 60 trips to russia the infrastructure over there is awful i was in places people hadn't eaten meat in six months to a year because there's just it's it's terrible uh the way they've mm. they the way they've you know, the way it's transpired i mean why do you think everybody wants to come to America? <laughs> At least they used to. I mean, they used to want to come because uh, because you could be because all the malls and were free. Well, yeah. Well, listen, you could come to America as a Vietnamese refugee, open up a donut shop in Houston, Texas. Oh man! And make I love those, I love those shops. Yeah, and and they make enough money not only to take care of their family, but they can buy a house, they can own some land. That, that, that wouldn't happen where they were, you know? And so, yeah, sure. um, I mean, ultimately, when you think about Marxism, it, it, it's really 
the whole system itself, even communism, is about material things, where what we believe is spiritual directs everything. It doesn't mean we demonize material things. It just means the driving force for us is is spiritual priorities. And if your spiritual priorities are right, you're going to see the poor. Back in the Old Testament, God told the people, don't cut the four corners of your field. You leave that for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. You know, you don't you don't use all your resources for your own benefit. You care about the poor. Over and over throughout Scripture, you see God commanding his people to care for the widow, to care for the poor. And, and that's not socialism. That's just, that's part of the, the, the great commandment of, of the horizontal component. When he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, that really means love your neighbor because he's like you. And if you see somebody hungry, you help them, not because the government takes your money and they do it, because you go out by the goodness of God's mercy in your life and you share with your brothers who are in need. So I hope I don't know if that answers your question, but hopefully. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about these issues. Yeah, just in short, uh, here's the bottom line. The Bible promotes freedom and personal responsibility, which you don't get either one of those under communism. <laughs> there is no freedom yeah. under communism. <laughs> right? But thanks for listening, Ben. <laughs> I know what you mean. All right, later. Take care. Bye. All right, that's all the time we have today. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. And you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening